0: Welcome everyone. This is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource. Joining me is Dr. George Helikaris and he's the CEO, and we also have Ken Rice, the CFO of Meta Material Inc. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. So you guys are recently public. Um, Ken, can you just touch on that, and then George, um, you know, just after that, give us a quick overview of the company.
1: Sure. We are very recently public. We we did a reverse merger with a company in Texas called Torchlight Energy Resources. It closed on Monday the 28th this week, and we started trading on the NASDAQ under the ticker MMAT. Um, leading up to that merger, we were able to put uh, f- a fairly large chunk of capital in the bank, so we're coming to the NASDAQ market with a newly public company on NASDAQ, a balance sheet that has – just around $160 million in cash, virtually no debt, and a, and a fairly optimistic outlook for the future. Great.
0: And, and George, so tell us what you guys do.
1: Thanks, Seth. Uh,
0: Metamaterials
2: is a developer of high performance functional materials and nanocomposites. So today we design and manufacture these materials um, not only with more sustainable ways, but at a cost that is significantly less than the competition. Our industry is typically in the semiconductors, broadly speaking. And as you know, uh, semiconductors are not very scalable materials. They cost a lot of money because they are typically rare and scarce materials. We figured ways of making these uh, complex structured materials uh, thinner, typically a tenth of the thickness, using commodity materials like copper and alumina instead of rare earths. So that gives us an edge over our competition, making us not only cheaper but better in many different ways. Our products are designed to basically create opportunities in multiple industries, from aerospace, which is what we started with, collaborations with Airbus and Lockheed, for example, Uh, moving on to automotive, consumer electronics, medical, and even energy, um, where we are focusing our next generation products. Uh, We offer these capabilities as an enabling technology to all these different industries.
0: Okay. And and so you're in a space where there's got to be some some very large competitors. Can, can you give us an idea of the competitive landscape and, and how you fit in and, and what your advantage is?
2: Absolutely. Um, there are not just competitors uh, out there, but there's also megatrends, which I will hopefully touch upon uh, during this presentation. On the competitive landscape, we have very few direct competitors in metamaterials, uh, metamaterials as, a, as, a group of, uh, as an in- emerging industry group, Uh, Meta is the only platform technology company. Others uh, are more narrowly product-focused. When you look at the broader field, um, we actually, in the first five years of our life, believed that the competitors today would actually be our suppliers. That was five years ago where we worked with very large corporations uh, that were in the semiconductors and the large chemical industrials uh, industries. Uh, However, what we found was that at the time, the semiconductor companies offered the design performance that we were looking for, but at a very high cost, typically uh, $100,000 per square meter. On the other side, the chemical industrials, they offered you more cost-effective solutions, very large quantities, However, they didn't offer you that semiconductor precision. So our design process required both, so both scale and low cost. So five years ago, we invented our own tools that offered um, semiconductor accuracy at kilometer scale. Basically, if you think about the competitive landscape, on the semiconductor side, you have companies like Applied Materials, um, JDS Uniphase, and many others. On the chemical side, you have the large chemical companies like 3M, DuPont, BASF. And we do use raw materials, uh, so we enjoy having supplier relationships today. But uh, we invented things that not only were higher performing, but they were more sustainable replacements for incumbents one example is indium indium is used as a transparent conductive material and we came up with a product called nanoweb that is offering more conductivity more transparency at a fraction of the cost okay
0: so um, i'm a little confused are you going to be selling tools and materials or or do you just use those tools for yourself
2: so we initially started inventing these tools to enable our customers who were in the aerospace uh, business. However, as a company has very large goals, we realized that in order to grow fast, we had to open up our platform to certain industries that wanted very large quantities. For example, in the solar industry, um, there are companies that produce a million cells, solar cells, per day. These are moderate numbers. So even if we had uh, our own system to scale, there would only be enough for just one single customer account. So we decided to use for very high volume opportunities, think about 100 million meters square plus per year, and uh, offer our technologies to the right OEM uh, forging partnerships and growing further partnerships with companies in several of these categories. So, energy is one, and there's automotive and a few others. Uh, however, what we are doing today, we are scaling roll to roll high volume production capabilities up until a certain level. Um, so, up till 10 million meters square. Anything above that, it becomes an opportunity to license and create additional revenue streams from royalties, material supplies, equipment manufacturing, etc. So we are kind of a hybrid uh, business model.
0: Okay, and then it, it sounds like you're developing everything in-house, is that correct?
2: Uh, not exactly. Uh, we have designed everything in-house. We're a technology company. Uh, we have tier one contract manufacturers in Europe and the USA uh, and Japan who are helping us with their expertise scale our production tools and then getting them ready for licensing uh, opportunities downstream. So we prove the concepts in-house. with our own designs, after all. Showcase that it's manufacturable and scalable up to a certain volume. And then our partners and tier ones, they also make uh, great upside alongside uh, our partners.
0: Okay. Uh, is this protected by know-how or patents, or how is your IP protected?
2: Uh, that's a great question. So we have been deliberate in building an IP portfolio to prepare for future competition and licensing. So together with our recent InterGlass uh, acquisition, uh, of a Swiss company, uh, we have been able to reach a significant uh, IP for process, so manufacturing process, uh, which is about a third of our portfolio, about 150 patents today. Um, and the other third is the application development in the different areas, automotive, aerospace, et cetera. And then there's um, uh, additional patents like utility patents that are completing the mix. We are developing also strong brands so that they can be further leveraged uh, in licensing. We have... Uh, I believe now, six trademarks registered, and we're building up our IP portfolio significantly more over the next uh, couple of years.
0: Okay. And then what's the low-hanging fruit, the addressable markets that can most use your technology?
2: So from a low-hanging fruit perspective, uh, we're very excited about uh, 5G applications. This is uh, in reference to one of the first mega trends Uh, i don't know if you're aware but uh, in the world of 5g infrastructure uh, analysts have mentioned that this is going to be more than a two trillion dollar rollout and to deliver broadband speeds wirelessly not only in our homes and our offices but within new vehicles the demand has is requesting for increased ranges and improved safety uh, in the case of vehicles. So with the 5G rollout, we have an opportunity. We announced a partnership with a Japanese conglomerate called Sekisui Chemical earlier this year. And we have uh, a a number of uh, prototypes, a number of uh, opportunities to showcase our technology. Um, we, We have done already a phase one and we're moving to new phases in this uh, development. Okay. Uh, so one it- of the exciting things in 5G, uh, just as an example, AT&T and Verizon spend more than $100 billion this year to just license the frequencies, in the spectrum. So you can imagine that uh, has a lot of attention, a lot of people working in that. The second thing is vehicle electrification. So with electric vehicles, um, metamaterials can also create lightweight uh, applications, and our materials will typically enhance efficiency. So from a windscreen of a car for de-icing, defogging, protecting sensors on the car, whether it's a camera or a LiDAR sensor against the the weather elements, um, head-up displays, so optics, So there's a a range, it's about a dozen products that we are uh, looking to develop for the automotive field. Obviously, that's a little bit longer in terms of a sales cycle, but automotive uh, OEMs typically invest in the supply chain and they want to secure supply chains. And there's, as you can imagine, fierce competition of who has the best technology um, that differentiates them in in the marketplace.
0: You you mentioned and, one partner. Do you have other partners since you're going after different uh, areas?
2: Yes, we do have uh, partners in the tier one level. So Asahi Glass and PPG, uh, two of the largest glass manufacturers. They do glass for automotive, but also industrial glass uh, for you know high-rise buildings. Uh, This is where we can see our products being applied and some of the large volume opportunities where these companies are known to produce hundreds of millions of meters square of glass and related uh, applications obviously match our capabilities and we're excited about that future.
0: So is this a design in sale?
2: From a business perspective, is that your yeah, question? Yeah,
0: do, do do your products have to be designed into other companies' products? And
2: so we have a, a library of designs. This is uh, tied to our the way that we make and produce our materials. One of the things that is very interesting and different about us is that we have an, a bottom-up uh, approach upside down. So we basically, instead of inventing a molecule in the way of the chemistry companies do it. They invent a molecule and then they figure out where to apply this. Sometimes by accident, they invent things. Uh, Sometimes, obviously, it will take them years of development to uh, perfect something. In our case, we use uh, computers and algorithms that solve equations and create unique metal and plastic compositions and those at the nanostructure behave so differently that you can program a function into your material why is that important because unlike the chemical physical chemistry and uh, the competitors out there that take years of development and millions of dollars to develop something new it takes us one engineer a few hours to come up with a dozen different designs that are typically 2 to 40x improvements our record today is uh, 40x improvement and the moment that we show this to our customers they get excited because they typically from a chemical perspective they expect 20% gains Uh, So when you're going in and your starting point is 200%, you can imagine that there's excitement. what happens next is uh, going through a material selection program. They select down out of, let's say, a dozen designs, which one is the right one for them. Then it gets transferred to prototyping. That's, again, where we have an edge. Our typical process takes minutes where... Other uh, types of manufacturing from our competition takes uh, hours and days to complete. And then uh, moving on to basically qualify these uh, products and then scale them, and depending on the size of the volume, um, potentially transferring them to those uh, customers. But in all of these steps, we make sure that we maintain our IP so that we can keep growing our library and keep using some of these designs over and over and over. So at the baseline, if you think about it, it's a nanostructured film, and the design pattern on the film can result in different performance characteristics. Uh, But the fast, we talk about innovation at speed, typically at Meta. Uh, We are probably one of the fastest companies out there that can do that entire cycle uh, from start to
0: finish. So where are you in the process of revenue generation? Do you have products on the market now? Or are you still in the development stage? And if so, um, what does it take to, to get revenue producing?
2: Yeah, so the revenue um, production is um, primarily the company was focused in aerospace for the first uh, eight years of its life. So it's been only a couple of years ago then that we expanded uh, so we started with, as I mentioned, Airbus, Lockheed, and a few other aerospace com- companies that I cannot mention uh, as our core customer. Uh, that's rapidly shifting now because we have now volume capabilities that uh, and new capabilities that we're building. Uh, so that composition of the revenue is going to shift towards other industries. Uh, what I can tell you is that we have products on the market. We have two types uh, of products. Uh, Uh, revenue streams Uh, you may see on our website that there is a e-commerce website where we do what we call retail optics or components of the shelf that people can buy with as simple as uh, you know putting your credit card and purchasing now the audience for that is um, scientific instruments and universities and companies that would need those optics Uh, we're expanding our catalog of products and adding more every quarter and then we have the specialty materials where they are a result of partnerships for example with airbus we have launched a custom-made laser eye protection product called meta air and it's the only product on the market that has been uh, certified by an oem and approved by an airport uh, authority um when it comes to future revenues um, we we see a lot of uh, applications coming out of our major product line called Nanoweb, which is a transparent metal uh, and if you remember, I mentioned indium tin oxide as a transparent conductor that we're trying to replace indium tin oxide is pretty much in any anything that has a need for a transparent conductor from displays, smartphones uh, to uh, windows of aircraft and smart windows, uh, electrochromic windows, etc. So very large market application that is uh, about five billion dollars, according to the analysts. Okay. So from that perspective, uh, maybe Ken can add a little bit more color to the the way that we are going to approach the market for the revenue streams.
0: Yes, uh, sure. and and Ken, in terms of the revenue model, it sounds like you you have different models, and uh, we, can we you give us hybrid- an idea of those and the gross margins? Sure.
1: Um, we have a hybrid model. Our model progresses, as George said, from early design, which we're, we're compensated at the very early stages with our customers on a non-recurring engineering basis. Mm-hmm. So we'll do engineering services, produce uh, as George said, you know, 15, 20 different designs for customers. While well, they they sort of sort through what they what they want to do, um, and sometimes those designs are intended to be an integral part of a product that they manufacture. So as you said, the question about design in, or on occasion, and as in, for example, in the 5G, a lot of the product we're making in 5G is add-on. So we can do it. We can do it either way. That's up to the customer that those those revenues tend to be in the, you know, seventy-five to one hundred fifty thousand kind of range per per project. We then progress to the customer through a sort of inverted funnel as, as George mentioned that said, okay, we start with twenty designs, they narrow it down to four or five that they really want to prototype in, in volume and, and test. So we do that again, principally on a non recurring engineering basis, and then we come to kind of a fork in the road. Once they've picked the one or two Designs that they want to work with. Um, we need to scale those designs to pilot scale, and pilot scale in this case maybe we they want us to make you know 200, 400 square meters of, of stuff so they can test it and make sure it works. And then we and, and that is a combination of product revenue and engineering fees. And then finally we can produce in our facility, which is one of the things we're doing a, a lot of this year with investment. So we're scaling a, a pilot-scale plant in our facility that, as George said, can produce maybe a million square meters over the course of a year on a two-shift basis, and we'll run their their production initially in our facility in Halifax, and then, if, depending on the application and the likely downstream demand, we'll either continue to produce the materials in our facility for them on a per-unit basis, or we'll license them combination of the design technology, access to the machine tools that they need in their own facility to make their own product, including scaling it to the the levels that they may want. So it is definitely a hybrid model of a combination of NRE product business, and in certain high volume applications, we'll actually license the technology and the production capability to our customers.
0: Great. And you mentioned the facility. um, Is that... Up and running, or, or does it require additional capex?
1: We're, this year, we're spending probably f- close to two and a half, three million dollars on retrofitting a 68,000 square foot facility in Halifax that we expect to bring online in the fourth quarter. And that facility will house all of, um, a lot of, our R&D capability, plus a customer training center and our roll-to-roll pilot capabilities. And that will supplement our small-scale prototyping activities that occur mostly in our facility in Pleasanton in California
0: okay in addition to making it there and and potentially at a customers uh, are you tolling or, or can you scale? is what I'm getting at where are you in terms of capacity yeah, I,
2: I can ask I can answer that so Go ahead, the good news the good news on any of the nanotechnology systems uh, nanofabrication systems are typically fully operated and automated by machines uh, it doesn't need a lot of people you don't need phds to run them and you certainly don't need to have uh, manufacturing in low-cost countries uh, because if you have the right process you can actually create uh, economies of scale uh, with a very small amount of people uh, so as a result we can easily scale, and that's why we work with a Tier 1 uh, contract manufacturer who can take our production line and uh, replicate it and duplicate it and multiply it, whether in Canada, the U.S., or elsewhere.
0: Okay. So currently, who are your customers, either names or generically, and how are you reaching them?
2: That's a great question. Um We have a lot of partners and customers. Our business model is primarily B2B. So we seek to work with leading OEMs in targeted sectors, and most of the time they come to us. So, for example, in the laser eye protection uh, program, we had both the largest OEMs, Boeing and Airbus, uh, in discussions with us, and we eventually chose to work with Airbus. Um, however, Boeing today is a customer, and so is Lockheed Martin uh, as a partner in uh, uh, the work that we we are doing in solar energy. So aerospace has been a great first industry. And moving on to, uh, let's say, for the 5G, I mentioned SecuSui Chemical. These are the types of partnerships that we build along the supply chain, and they have attracted the... Uh, not only significant uh, customers behind them, you know, these tier one suppliers have very large corporations behind them. For instance, Docomo is the largest telco in Japan, and this is public knowledge, so is uh, basically work on this 5G-attracted Docomo to the table. Uh, and then we also have uh, significant government support. So there are several programs that OEMs will partner with us, and that de-risks uh, investments, which have, you know, provided a lot of do- non diluted funding for our R&D and scale. Uh, there is a, a page on our investor deck that people can see some of these partnerships that we have forged over the years. Uh, Samsung is another notable one where we developed a finger. Uh, sensing technology uh, that was below the display. And we hope that with the additional resources that we now have, a strong balance sheet, uh, this is going to help us accelerate a lot of these partnerships and add new ones to the table. We have a whole uh, division of medical applications that we will be talking about in the coming weeks and months and how we plan to also uh, commercialize some of the exciting medical products that we have.
0: So you just touched on my my next question. So as we look out over the next 12 months, uh, you know, what are some of the events or catalysts that we should look for?
2: So we we believe that Meta is a category creating company. Uh, Over the last 10 years, we have built our team, our IP portfolio, our design and development, and now our manufacturing technology. So the the catalyst I think that people should be looking at is the growing number of leading OEM customers and partnerships. We typically get this exciting thing happen. Uh, our partners and OEMs, they like to basically publish these partnerships. They are tied down to an innovation, a product application that is so new that they naturally want to talk about the uh, the new thing that they're building. And that makes us happy because we are working with maverick organizations that they have a need to communicate the next generation products. We're not competing with procurement on the bottom ag- against basically other competitors that you know are a me-too product and you're competing on price. We're working alongside the Chief Innovation Office of OEMs the CTO offices of uh, Tier 1s, and together developing and enhancing their product offering to something that's next generation. So the catalyst that people should be looking out for is, number one, the announcement of our new facility being fully operational, number two, the certain team build-out that is going to happen uh, we're adding amazing people in all the different departments, including business development and sales. Uh, some are industry experts themselves. And three, the OEM partnerships that I've just mentioned and how exciting those uh, opportunities will be in the future uh, can be characterized by the fact that we choose companies that offer us at least a 50% or more gross margin with a 50 plus million dollar uh, recurring revenue opportunity over the next five years.
0: Very good, so b- before we go, is, is there anything that um, that you wanna add that I, I failed to ask or, or any closing remarks you wanna leave us with? Um,
2: I would just wanna say that our, our mid to long term roadmap includes medical applications with multi-billion dollar potential. For example, how do you increase the resolution of MRI scans while reducing their cost and increasing the speed of image acquisition? How do you detect breast cancer and prostate cancer earlier without radiation risks and doing so painlessly? You know, um, And how do you work in, in diabetes management, which uh, is supposed to be the holy grail, uh, how to accurately measure glucose without drawing blood, without finger sticks? So the technologies, including some biosensors that allow us to reduce cost and basically bring these technologies out of the hospital or the lab right to the clinic and the point of care or even into the home, these are something that uh, are very exciting and obviously anything in medical takes time, Uh, but we are excited about that future and what we can bring that will make and help uh, change people's lives uh, for the better. That's part of our mission, and we're excited to have uh, you know, more Q&As like this. So thank you for the opportunity to talk to you today.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, gentlemen, and thanks for sharing the story.
2: Thank you. Thank you.